Hey, I want to thank you for joining us here at I-80 Sports. We're talking U.S. soccer, U.S. men's national team, some MLS games. We're doing predictions and news. Thank you for joining us here at I-80 Sports. Here today with Alex. Alex, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. What an interesting uh, week. Uh, last week we we didn't we missed our show due to you know unforeseen circumstances. But we're back, bigger and badder than ever. And what a week it's been. Uh, the U.S. national team with three games in eight days, and we're going to talk about it a little bit right now. What we're talking about now is the U.S. men's <laughs> national team come from behind four one win over Honduras. Well, you saw a little, you know. Over the first two games, you know, it's been a lot of controversy with going on with injuries. All of a sudden, Reyna gets hurt in uh, game one. Not sure about Pulisic coming off of COVID. He misses the first game. Then you hear the McKinney situation. He leaves the bubble, then brings somebody back. So he gets kicked off the team. Now, the Serginio Desk gets an ankle injury. All of a sudden, now you got four or five starters out after the first game. And everyone with this, this golden generation of look at our lineup, look at our up. We've never had all these guys on the field at once. Continues again with all this, uh, yeah, either injuries, subpar player controversy. Uh, Burhalter changed lineup every every single game. He wanted to do a lot of rotations, tough to play three games in eight days. This and this important, you know, starting with the 0 0 time, El Salvador that had a lot of possession, just couldn't put the ball away. The lack of creativity in midfield seems to be a big issue. Uh, you know, into the Canada game, they're winning one nothing. They have a goal in the second half, which kind of hurts the game in Nashville. That kind of hurt. Uh, you saw that that was a performance where McKinney was pretty poor in that. Yeah. I mean, uh, McKinney was poor in game one, and McKinney with the national situation he got sent home was a big stain on the team going into that game. You heard he was leaving, so you don't know what was going to happen, and U.S. dropped two points there. It should have been everyone was counting on the game to get three points. Now the pressure's on. You only got two points going into the third game at Honduras where you usually don't get good results. And what happens? You're losing one nothing. Berhalter starts in the lineup at five in the back. He starts sergeant on the left wing. Some people are looking at the line like, what is going on here? Like, you know, he's putting back uh, Tyler Adams as that, that, that pseudo right back floating into the midfield craziness. And in the first half, U.S. looked poor. They had no crazy. Not only did they look poor, they they trailed in shots, not only in the first yeah, half, they, the entire they, game. There, there's no connection from the defense to the midfield to the forwards. A lot, you know, just like the first two games, look, this is a young team. They got a lot to learn. Bruce Serena says they got to grow up in a hurry. This isn't like, you know, I know it's hostile when you go into the top leagues of France and Germany and England, those Saturday, Sunday games, those derby matches, you can't, you know, MLS doesn't come anywhere in us, but these CONCACAF matches are a totally different animal when it comes to this. Even Tyler Adams said he'd rather play in any league game in Europe compared to go to Europe to these CONCACAF qualifiers in Honduras, in El Salvador, in Panama, in Costa Rica, in very difficult places to play. Uh, and again, the United States with two of the first three on the road, it was a little hard to get. You know, we all would look counting on at least let's get seven points. Five, it's okay. Five, you stay on track. And what happened with the three one with the three point issue after trailing one nothing, winning four one. Berhalter started five in the back, which was very poor. And at halftime, he realized his mistake. He even said it in post game. He got it wrong in the beginning. He brought in Sebastian Legette. He brought in Anthony Robinson. He, and uh, all of a sudden, things change. All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Ricardo Pepe, the 18 year old, the guy we started up front, yeah. which has raised some eyebrows, but U.S. lack of score up front. Josh Sarge has been pedestrian at best. I mean, to me, he's still got that clumsiness. And I don't see, I don't understand why people think he should be starting a national team. That's another story. Another day, Ricardo Pepe comes in as a great second goal with a header, puts us up two one. Uh, Aronson again from Pepe makes a three one legit later comes forward. Legit was great. When legit came into this game, this game changed all the legit haters out there, all the guys that think MLS guys can't play. Once you saw Sebastian legit come into this game in the second half, 
game totally changed. And for me, that's why he was the man in the match. And this, again, Anthony Robinson, fantastic down the left side. Uh, the other Robinson, Miles Robinson, his, his game has stepped up to the level. Brooks, very poor. I was totally surprised. Playing in the Bundesliga, playing for a Champions-like team like Wolfsburg, you would think he'd be better. Brooks may be suited better for these, uh, a World Cup game instead of qualifiers. It's a, like I said, it's a totally different animal, especially against the Cannon game. He was burnt bad on that second goal. Brooks yeah. was nowhere to be found. And it, it was, uh, I, was, I, I was shocked how poor he played. Again, and I, as I mentioned on the play, Serginio Dest, that game one against El Salvador, he was all over the field. I don't know what he was doing. He's out of position, dribbling, losing guys, trying to take one on three. He gets an ankle injury. Now, to me, uh, you know, he's taking a step back. And I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know if these guys are unsure of these, you know, CONCACAF games. But it's a totally different animal. It's a lot of these outsiders, like when I, guys I, I, that I, I'm friends with or I work with don't really follow, you know, CONCACAF unless – Always I don't understand when you struggle against these El Salvadors and Honduras. Yeah. Look at what happened in Mexico. They could have went in Panama the other day. I mean, it is a difficult, difficult place to get points. If the, the formula is win at home, tie in the road, you advance right now after three games, two are on the road, one at home. That equals five points. That's what the U.S. got. They're right on track to qualify on their top three right now. And right from Berhalter right now, the first two games, they look a little shaky right now. After his substitutions at halftime to get it right in the second half, Honduras to get us three points. Berhalter's back on steady ground and, and with the three games in October. Hopefully, the U.S. can even get more points, a little more cushioning, and stay in the top three and get into Qatar. Can't see what's, uh, can't wait for what's to come with the U.S. men's national team. Let's move on now and talk about our high performance players of the week. Your I 80 Sports High Performance Players of the Week. Start with Nashville, who beat uh, NYCFC this past week. Honey Mukhtar scores a brace. He also picked up a yellow card near the end of that match. Uh, my first high-performance player of the week, Honey Mukhtar. Yeah, totally on the ready. Should be on the, on the all-star team. I know Nashville fans are you know yeah. laboring about that in every right. So he's been excellent for Nashville and winning reasons why on the upper half of the Eastern Conference. We've talked about this team, I don't know how many times, they are deadly. They, I mean, this is an MLS Cup contender. I hate to say it. People don't want to realize that Nashville is going to be a very difficult out come playoff time, the way they're playing. They get, like we've been saying, the way they play defense, if they get consistent goal scoring up front, look out for Nashville. That rabid fan base down in Nashville, look out. And Mukhtar has been quietly very steady, arguably the most steady player on, on Nashville's offensive side, uh, you know, as an offensive player. And what's not to like about him, again, seems like he gets big goals and big spots. Nashville's right now in the top three in the Eastern Conference and climbing. And he's one of the reasons why. Absolutely. My second high-performance player of the week, we head to LAFC, and Edward Atuesta had a goal and two assists as LAFC beat Sporting 4-0. LAFC looks like LAFC again, and Edward Atuesta lands on a high-performance player of the week. That was funny because Diego Rossi just got sold to Turkey. We think LAFC right now is like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, I know Brian Rodriguez had a highlight reading goal about two weeks ago. They're going to rely on him a lot. But now at, at Tuesday, a goal and two assists. What a span. I didn't see this coming. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. The way Sporting Kansas City plays, to lose 4 nothing like this, like that. And Tuesday, he was all over the field in his game. He's been, you know, he's going to have to step up now for LAFC to, to make a, a playoff push. Bob Brown, I know some fans are laboring for him to, to, to leave. I, you know, sometimes this happens. You have good years and bad years, injuries, COVID, whatever you want to call it. LAFC is not what the LFC of old is, but still. If they get a playoff time, if they have Bob Rally as their coach, they have talent around there that can make some noise, look out for LAFC. A twist is one of the reasons why. 
And one of the other reasons why is a newer player on the team, and that is Mamadou Fall, who is a LAFC defender, actually scored a brace against Sporting Kansas City. Again, a decisive win against a top-line opponent. And Mamadou Fall, uh, the first time he's been noted on this show, is as a high-performance player. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I'm pretty confident he's not going to get two goals in another game the rest of the year. MLS, a lot of defenders will do that. Like we just said, one of the reasons why they, they spanked Sporting Kansas City 4 nothing and one of the surprises of surprise results of the past couple weeks in MLS. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know much about him, to be honest with you. And when I saw I was like, who is this guy with two goals? But I watched some of the highlights, and he's like, looks like he's a good player. He's, he's strong in the air. He's like very physical. LAFC is going to need a lot of help to make noise in the Western Conference. He should be one of the reasons why. And our last high-performance player of the week is um, a player we've talked on a lot about this show. It was very positive heading into the U.S. men's national team camp for um, the Olympic qualifiers and then quickly became uh, uh, the the second fiddle in uh, FC Dallas. So um, this week he did uh, score goals and an assist in Dallas's 3-2 loss to RSL. But just last week, he had a brace in Dallas's 5-3 win against Austin um, that previous week. So definitely someone who's been uh, performing not only this week, but last week, Jesus Ferreira of FC Dallas. Dallas is a lot of fun to watch. Now with Ricardo Pepe coming back, with Ferreira and him up front, they're going to be a handful to watch to and, you know, it's not easy to play in Dallas. I always say betting-wise, when Dallas is home, you like to tend to think about putting your money on them. When on the road, you tend not to. And, one of the, you know, one of the reasons why these youngsters, when they play at home, they're deadly. Ferrari's been on the fringe U.S. national team. He's been in the Olympic squad. He can score. He can play midfield. He can play forward. Uh, right now, when Pepe was out on, on his, on his uh, U.S. national team, when he made his debut, uh, Jesus Ferrer stepped up in big time he, with the two yeah. goals against Austin in, in a rivalry game, an in-state game for the fans to win 5-3 and have him two goals like that. It's fantastic. But him and Pepe, the Dallas right now, they're going to be, they're going to be, you know, how long, I don't know how much longer they're going to hold on to Pepe. He's going to be, Europe's going to be calling any day now. But as long as those two guys are together, Dallas is going to be a, a, a dynamite team to watch and a tough out definitely playoff time comes. Absolutely. And, and as I kind of mentioned, alluded to before, Pepe uh, taking a spot on the U.S. men's national team that we would have thought a month ago was Jesus Ferreira's. Interesting that they're on the t uh, same team in the midst of a uh, position battle on the national team, but definitely uh, Jesus Ferreira putting himself back on the map with a solid week after maybe a couple months of uh, mediocre play. Top now into the toll booth and talk about our best picks of the week. The I-80 Sports Toll Booth, where you can find the best bets of the week. This week, there's so many players on international duty, it's a little difficult for me to pick exact match winners. So here I'm actually going with an uncharacteristic over bet. The game is FC Dallas. They host the San Jose Earthquakes. And my pick is over two and a half goals at minus, I believe that is one 20, not 220. Um, so at minus 120, which is a little worse than even money, you can get FC Dallas and San Jose match total two and a half goals. Um, goals come in bunches, and you know that really works for FC Dallas. They scored nine goals in their past three games, Italia, which includes five against Copa Tejas rivals Austin FC. Dallas can score three goals alone, and this uh, over home. is something that I love picking this week. Especially when they're home. I like this pick, too. It is, yeah. Uh, both teams are playing very well. San Jose's been playing well, making a push in the Western Conference. 
We just talked about FC Dallas, the young guns up front. Uh, yeah, I like this over two and a half. Why not? Let's this Dallas, especially at home, seems like a shootout to me. This seems like a this seems like a three two four one type game to me. So yeah, definitely I'll go with that. And if you, uh, you know, my key to the match here is the San Jose offense because I think if Cade Cowell or Chofis Lopez can score a single goal, this one's gonna hit. It's gonna hit easily. So it's strange. Although we are both taking FC Dallas to win, the bet is actually the over. So as long as a lot of goals are scored. I think if San, can, can, San Jose can find the back of the net even one time, this is going to be a slam dunk. Yeah, Pepe or not, I'm still at the over. That is an excellent call. Next game, I have to pick a road underdog, and that is going to be Minnesota United as they are hosted by Seattle Sounders. Now, I get it. Seattle Sounders are very good at home. They're very good away. They're the top team in Major League Soccer, but this line just seems a little disrespectful for two teams they're going to be battling it out without their superstars. We just talked about international break. Well, Rui Diaz and Roldan for Seattle probably won't be playing. Reynoso and Lode for Minnesota probably won't be playing. Seattle lost their last game during this international break while Minnesota stepped up in Houston and left with a rare 2-1 victory. I think this can truly be anyone's game. And while I would give a slight edge to the Seattle Sounders, plus 320 is too good, good opt to pass up. Um, I think they're taking Minnesota United for granted in Las Vegas. Yeah, I don't, I don't like taking road teams against Seattle. But again, this international break, you have no idea who's playing, who's not. When they're on their way back, they're coming. You know, some from South America, some from Europe, some from Concacaf. Uh, that's always always difficult time if you want to bet. To me, traditionally, if I'm unsure, I don't go against Seattle at home. I'm going to disagree with you in this one. I know the odds are huge. Why not put a you know, some scratch in Minnesota if they hit you with big. A little Yeah, you know, why not in that kind of case? But I would not, I would not put big money on this. Uh, I don't like taking Seattle. I don't like going against Seattle. Home. Regardless of Rui Diaz, regardless of Lodero, Morris, whoever you want to say is playing out there or not, that's a tough place to play with those fans. Minnesota to me, eh, you know, when they're on the road, yeah, some, every time I want to put Minnesota in the upper echelon of Western Conference, they let me down. They want to be in the upper Western Conference. They got to win this game. This is one of those games where I don't think they're going to win. If anything, I would do the double chance to take Minnesota in a tie, but a full out, nah, I'm not going to touch this game. I really like uh, what the midfield here brings for Minnesota United. I think that's really where their advantage is going to lie. They still have Alonzo, Trapp, and Hassani Dotson. Um, add a little uh, mixed play by Roman Metinier running up the wing side, and I think you have a Minnesota attack that has a chance to put it, you know, 50-50 I've been waiting. I've been, I've been waiting for Minnesota and Reynoso and them to go wild, and I'm still, you know, every time I'm ready to Put them in the upper echelon in Western Conference. They let me down. There's another this break. This is one of those games. And then there's an international games. break and everything gets yeah. shuffled again. Okay. Exactly. Last but not least, Inter-Miami hosts the Columbus Crew. And my pick is Inter-Miami at minus 110. I was guaranteed by Alex from the Inter-Miami podcast, a frequent guest on our show, that Miami is going to make the playoffs this season. And I think that would you know, necessitate them getting a second straight win at home against Columbus Crew this week. I, uh, I did write in my notes that I want to know if this was the MLS hangover that Sir Alex has been talking about. This Columbus crew just looked unbeatable in the second half of Injuries. Uh, last season going into the playoffs. Um, right now, they lost six straight. They beat Cincinnati, not really a big deal, and lost again in Orlando last week. They're going back to another Florida team, and I think that team is going to take care of them. I like it for Miami, minus 110. 
One team's going in one direction, one team's going the other. If I would have told you this a couple months ago, you would have said, oh, Inter-Miami's on the way down, Columbus is on the way up, but it's yeah. totally opposite direction. Inter-Miami seems like after all the controversy and all the DPs and they can't sign guys and salary cap violations left and right, they're on a winning streak and they're starting to win games, they're getting big goals and big spots. Iguain's starting to pick up the pace, uh, cigarette and mouth notwithstanding. Columbus, Zardis is out. Uh, they've just had so many injuries this year. You know, Molino's out for the year. They picked him up. They thought he would make a difference, especially when he comes playoff time. He's out. Brian Wright Phillips is not doing what they thought he would do. Uh, defense is leaking goals up front. No consistency. It, constant lineup changes due to injuries. I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to take Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami, to me, is playing more desperate right now because they know they can't bring anybody really in. DP-wise, these guys are locked in for the next couple of years, salary cap-wise. This yeah. is their team. This is that they're going to go to war with, you know, and this is it. The Columbus could be a case of from defending champion, Champions League, and injuries, a combination of all three post-COVID. Yeah. This is what happens. Not a, you know, It's not a question of Caleb Porter can't coach. It's just a constant lineup changes, constant injuries. It's tough to take them, you know, and why not go against them until you start proving you wrong? Six out of seven they've lost. Let's make it seven and eight. I'm going to go with in Miami. This I'm going to agree with you. Columbus managed to score 11 times in their last eight games and also conceded 20 goals in that same time. So to put it mildly, that defense is bad and that offense is below average. They've been hemorrhaging points all over the field. I'm going to look for Gonzalo Higuain to be the difference maker this week. He's going to be able to score multiple ways, long shots, set pieces, or just plain old walking one in. I love Inter-Miami this week and I like Higuain as a goal scorer. Alex, before we go, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I'll be at the D.C. United uh, Red Bull game on Saturday. This used to be like a big-time game. You know, you know, I'm uh, going back to 1996, and now it's just like an afterthought. It's like almost shocking. Uh, you know, Red Bull Arena, attendance has dropped. Places the standings have dropped. D.C. United on their way. I'm back, but the last couple of years, they haven't been that exciting to the original teams. It's kind of sad to see what has happened to both franchises, even though DCN looks on the way up and Red Bull ran out yes, the way down. I, yes, they I, do. Know, and I'll be there to talk about it. I'll be there and we'll talk about it next week. But, you know, the lack of attendance in one of the best soccer arenas in the country is embarrassing. Red Bull need to do something. What that is, we, we have to have a whole new show about that. We could. We'll have to take that time next week. Thank you all for joining us at ID Sports. We'll catch you next time.